I'm Kim Reynolds of Dogman.com at Sun Devil Stadium, where Arizona State upset Washington 13-7 in front of an announced crowd of 51,234. Temperature at kickoff, 83 degrees. I am sitting high above in the press box. The lawnmowers are down on the field, and uh, lights are on, and traffic still looks bad getting out of here, but slow. Slow, slow, sluggish start for University of Washington, and they never could get anything going after an incredibly slow start in the first quarter, Chris. Well, yeah, I think that Chris Peterson talked about it being one of the more frustrating offensive nights that they've had in a long time, and they just you got no rhythm. I mean, they had they ended up with 61 total plays. Uh, for the record, they had 31 rushes and 30 passes, but obviously a number of those rushes were were Jake Browning scrambling for his life and you know it's just it just was a great game plan by Arizona State give them a ton of credit um, on both sides of the ball that was a defense that was giving up a lot of points and a lot of plays they had given up 11 games in a row 30 points or more so for them to come out with that kind of display um, you know it's for for me I you know if, if I was a fan and I was a part of that environment at Sun Devil Stadium that would have been amazing but obviously it's covering Washington you've got to look at it and go what went wrong um, what needs to get fixed as soon as possible and how quickly are they going to be able to bounce back they do have a bye week so they've got a lot of time to fix these problems well bye week could be the key Arizona State had that extra week to prepare for Washington and I think the story of the game was the first quarter you know Arizona State with uh, 10 minutes of possession in the first quarter Washington with 4 minutes 57 uh, you know seconds on uh, Possession in the first quarter, Arizona State with seven first downs in the first quarter alone. Washington just couldn't do anything, and it almost reminded me a little bit, and, you know, we've made this comparison before of a, you know, Floyd Mayweather fight where they're just sitting there getting punched, getting punched, getting punched, and try to wear the other team out and hope that they can win in the later rounds with a knockout. That just didn't happen today. Um, you know, you know, in the fourth quarter, they started to get some rhythm, but you know, there's a lot of things that went wrong. This offense was definitely in a funk all day long. You know, I, you know, so losing Trey Adams, I don't know how much impact that had on the game. Tell me what you saw was down on the field, and I'll tell you what I heard on the sidelines. What did you see on the uh, injury with Trey Adams? Well, I couldn't tell honestly because it because it it kind of they went away from it and then they kind of focused on it a little bit, and it and it looked like he was favoring his right leg from the very beginning. And so, I don't know what's going on over there, Kim. Something's going on. Yeah, that's a motorcycle that just went by. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I, it's just weird. Um, yeah, it just looked like he was really favoring his right leg and, you know, wasn't sure if he was – it looked like he was going to be able to get up on his own power and, and those kinds of things. But, fortunately, he was able to walk off and didn't necessarily walk off on his own power, but he wasn't necessarily really limping either. So, you know, who knows – you know, you've got to hope for the best with him, but the initial reaction and just kind of his his physical body, his body language and everything else, it didn't look great. What I saw was, you know, um, coming off the field with some help from the trainers, he went in the injury tent. They took off his knee brace and uh, they were working on his knee. He was led to the locker room. Um, you know, Elise Woodward told me that he stopped short of the tunnel and uh, made eye contact with his parents and motioned for them to come down. He did not come out of the tunnel in the second half. He didn't. I didn't see him the rest of the game. So I think they kind of shoot him out of here. I'm not sure he was in the locker room either. So, um, 
you know, uh, it doesn't look good uh, on Trey Adams is what I was hearing. When I first saw him come out of the injury tent, he was walking around on his own power and just limping. So I didn't think it was that big of a deal. So, but, uh, you know, he never came back out of the locker room. I was a little bit surprised Andrew Kirkland took over at left tackle. I thought that uh, Jared Hilbers would take off, take it over uh, on at left tackle. But, uh, you know, just a big loss in losing one of the premier linemen in the country. Yeah, no, it's a monstrous loss. And, um, you know, he's been such a stalwart there for the last three seasons. Um, you really wonder how, what they're going to do. And, and I wasn't necessarily surprised that Andrew Kirk, Kirkland took over. He was, you know, he's the one that's kind of been penciled in as that backup guy. And doesn't matter if it's uh, guard or tackle, but, uh, you know, he seems to be the one that's kind of the first guy off the bench. So um, really not surprised there. And then obviously at the end of the game, losing Jordan Miller was another just massive blow. And it's just kind of adding, you know, injury into insult kind of. Yeah, you know, Jordan Miller, you know, late in the fourth quarter, and, you know, I was told that he got hit by Taylor Rapp. And, uh, he did. He did. Yeah. Taylor was trying to, to catch up with the receiver on the sideline after he made the catch, and he was just hustling to the play, and it was kind of like – it sounded like it was kind of the one the Seahawks that kind of when – when Earl Thomas got hurt, it was kind of friendly fire, and Rapp kind of went for the tackle and, and went low and kind of rolled, and when he rolled into the – ASU player, he also rolled into Jordan Miller, and then it didn't look – it looked really bad, really bad. Yeah. Air cast, and he was taken off on the cart. I'm guessing that, you know, Byron Murphy – and by the way, you saw that Byron Murphy was down here. I'm sure he, he was. flew down, you know, flew down, and he was in a boot, and, uh, you know, he doesn't look ready to play. Of course, they've got a bye week next week, so you've got two more weeks to prep, but – I've got to imagine one of the freshmen, uh, you know, could possibly be over there. Or is it Isaiah Gilchrist? Who do you see over there? In the no, I, you know, obviously Austin Joyner cemented his spot while Byron Murphy is, is getting better. And, you know, now that now that Jordan Miller's probably gone for a while, you know, Miles Bryant could end up playing there. You could have Jamon Dotson playing over there. Or you could have one of the true freshmen playing over there as well. I think Elijah Molden, Keith Taylor, they've had enough snaps where – um, you know, they should be tested and they could, uh, they could see a lot of time over there. Is Isaiah Gilchrist, uh, over at safety or has he been playing any corner? Safety. First? Safety. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, that position of strength, all of a sudden, you know, getting a couple of corners down really, you know, dives into that. So good that they have a couple of weeks. My gut tells me that they'll probably leave Miles Bryant inside, um, in the slot. So, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens, but, you know, getting back to the first quarter and the offensive line, there wasn't much running room. And, boy, I'm telling you, I thought that offensive line was going to be the strength of the team. But uh, that left guard position, Jesse Sosabi at times is just getting rocked and pushed back. And, you know, uh, are you seeing what I'm seeing, that left guard may be a problem, Chris? Yeah, well, it's definitely a problem, and they definitely have guys that can fix the problem, and they're going to have a bye week to fix it. Um, would it shock me if they come out with a different left guard against UCLA? No, wouldn't shock me in the world. Cause the bottom line is, um, what we've seen with Chris Peterson is, is that he will definitely, he's definitely not afraid to make changes when it's clear that changes need to be made. And unfortunately he made one of those changes tonight and it didn't work out for him at all. I know we'll probably talk about that a little later with the, with the kicking game, but, um, he has shown that he's more than willing to say, look, if you're not getting the job done, it's next man up, and I would not be shocked if you see, a, you know, a Henry Roberts or you see a, a Luke Wattenberg or you see one of these other guys 
uh, step up and, and try to vie for some playing time because there's guys in the loop that could get it done if they want to step up and they want to be held account, uh, accountable and, and make a difference. There's guys out there, but they have to beat a guy like Jesse Sosby to get there. And if that's the best that they've got right now at left guard, they're definitely in trouble. Jake Brown is scrambling for his life again. And, and boy, it just seems like nobody's open. Nobody's well, they open. showed a couple. They showed a couple of the scramble drills where guys downfield were almost literally running into the same areas. So all they had to do was almost have one guy defending two of the Washington receivers downfield, and they'd have them covered. And so, yeah, there's there, whether it's the scramble rules that they're that they're just not adhering to, or if it's just something else that 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 they're not focused on in terms of just kind of the fundamentals when things break down. What do they have to work on their keys? Um, clearly they've got two weeks to, to work on it and clean it up. But that was a big, that was a big problem is that they could not find anything downfield. And, you know, Jake Browning, he tried to take a couple shots and, um, I know people on our board were wondering about his arm, whether or not, you know, cause he had some throws that didn't look exactly like they had a lot of punch to him, but, uh, you know, he threw a couple balls deep that had plenty of steam on him. So I don't know if, if arm strength was a problem at all. I, you know, listening to a couple of the comments that the Arizona State players have made after this game, they sound like they feel like they got to Jake Browning and he got a little... Their wording is he got shook. And it looked like that a little bit. He looked, he didn't look confident in the pocket. He looked like he was running for his life. And, you know, they couldn't get a ground game going at all. You know, Miles Gaskin, you know, I'm seeing things from a different level, but uh, Miles Gaskin, just instead of hitting a hole, he looks like he's stopping and going right, going left, and by the time you know he makes a decision on the hole to hit, he's getting wrapped up. Yeah, they only they average less than three yards a rush, and you know especially against a, a defense like ASU that had given up a lot of uh, running yards, it, that was something they just they needed to be able to do. They needed to establish something on the ground, and, and they weren't able to do it. And I think you got to give some credit again to Arizona State that bye week that they had. They clearly. Uh, created some tendency breakers and uh, gave Washington enough looks early on that really confused them and and made it so uh, Jake was probably checking out of some plays and doing some different things based on what he was what he thought he saw and then they moved out of it now all of a sudden clock's running out and, and they have to kind of run the play that they have so I, I think that was a big problem tonight I think I think ASU got to him in more ways than one. ASU had 285 yards, and they only scored 13 points. Those are games that you have to win. Washington only had 230 yards total offense. Uh, 230 yards offense, and they ran 61 plays. Uh, Arizona State ran 73, but, but as you said, you know the average gain per play was 3.8, and Arizona State only had 3.9 um, you know, uh, per play. But uh, when you take a look at the time of possession in the first quarter, you know, 10, 10 minutes to five minutes in the second quarter, it was nine minutes to five minutes. But, you know, the things that one of the things that really killed Washington, only three opportunities in the red zone. And they were only one for three in the red zone, of course, with the two, two missed field goals. And uh, Van Soderberg, oh, boy, boy, those were not long field goals. 27, 21 yards. Those are extra points that he missed, Chris. Well, when ESPN runs their little segment on you only had one job, they're going to be running those missed field goals all week long. I've been telling 
Washington fans, after this game, do not get on ESPN. You are not going to want to hear what they have to say. It is not going to be pretty. And you just, scholarship guys just can't be missing field goals like that, just plain and simple. I mean, that's just, you know, it's, 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 it's tough for a guy like that to go in that kind of situation. First time out of the blocks, first career attempts uh, on the road and, and those kind of environments. And, and, yeah, I mean, kicking those kind of field goals is a lot different than kicking a 25-yard field goal when there's pretty much nothing on the line, you know, Cal or what have you. Um, it's just, it's a whole different animal. And clearly, you want to talk about Jake Browning getting shook. Van Soderberg was, I mean, that second field goal, you could tell, and, you know, as someone who's played golf for 40 years plus, I can tell when, when I'm just trying to steer it down the middle of the fairway and I'm doing everything I can to just get my body and my timing right, he was literally just trying to steer that ball through the uprights, and it was that, noticeable. I can't ever recall seeing an uglier kick than that. That is as ugliest kick as I have ever seen. It was 27 yards, and it just... No, I'm not talking yeah. about the 27. I'm talking about the 22-yard oh, that he missed, Kim. Oh. That, yeah, the 22 And, and like I said, I don't, don't want to harp too much on Van Soderberg. I, I think that's such a difficult position for that kid to be in. But at the end of the day, you're on scholarship to make those kicks. There's absolutely no excuse for it. And it's just... And and you and part of me feels for the kid because that's just such a difficult position to be in. But when you're paid to do that, that's what you have to do. You have to go out and just execute, plain and simple. And when you don't, then something's got to change. Looking down the stat sheet, Miles Gaskin, 14 carries for 67 yards, and uh, Levon Coleman, five carries for 20 yards. Uh, Jake Browning, 17 for 30, only 139 yards, but. Uh, five sacks in that to get, of course, the two missed field goals of 27 and 21 yards. Uh, Washington's defense kept uh, Arizona State in check pretty much, except for that first quarter. Uh, you know, DeMario Richard, eight carries for 23 yards. Kalen Balazs, nine carries for 17 yards. Uh, Manny Wilkins, 29 of 41 for 245, uh, only sacked twice. Uh, Nikhil Harry, I thought they pretty much kept Nikhil Harry in check with nine uh, receptions for 79 yards, but uh, it just seemed like the ones that he were he was catching were the ones that were causing the problems. Well, yeah, and it all started up front, and bottom line is, Kim, Arizona State didn't get a rush longer than eight yards. I mean, Washington did everything they needed to in this game defensively. This was just like Rutgers. This was just like Colorado, where they gave up the opening touchdown because ASU had done a lot of scouting, and they had that bye week to throw a lot at them. I think they had six or seven different guys touch the ball uh, in that first drive. You know, they had uh, Nikhil Harry in the Wildcat. I believe they had Kyle Williams in the Wildcat. They, they, yeah. ran, they ran all sorts of crazy stuff at them. And so it's, you know, it wasn't surprising that they were able to kind of catch the Huskies off guard a little bit that first drive. But again, after that, they didn't surrender a touchdown. Two field goals, and that was it. And that's what makes missing those two field goals inside of 27 yards so just absolutely unexplainable. I mean, you just it's inexplainable. It's inexplicable. Yeah, and you know, where do they go from here, Chris? I know they've got uh, you know the week off and uh, you know getting healed. I don't know the type of injuries they had. They can get healed, but uh, you know the break is coming at the right time, and they uh, they need to regroup, especially on offense. Yeah, well, the one thing is, is that they have still have everything to play for. They could still win the Pac-12 North. They could still even get into the playoff. If they win out and they win the Pac-12 championship, 
they have a very, very good chance of getting into the playoff because they're still playing a top 10 schedule in terms of schedule strength from here on out. Um, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the cannibal conference though, kind of, kind of crushing each other. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy that way when you see some of these results and, but I'm telling you that, that crux game is going to be at Stanford. I mean, Stanford absolutely buried, uh, Oregon Saturday night. And so they seem to be on the ups. Washington seems to be, uh, kind of going down. And so it's really up to Chris Peterson and his staff to get those guys back on track because, frankly, as poor as they played um, as, a, as a team, they still, they still could have very easily won this game or at the very least taken it to overtime and see what would have happened if, if they just handle their basics. And so they, they just need to keep those guys focused and not get them too, too down on themselves and get, and get them rallied back. And, and frankly, this is going to be a good time uh, you know, sometimes it's it's good to kind of get back on the horse right away and kind of get that bad taste out of your mouth. But I think these guys really need that that extra week to rest and just get healthy again and really just kind of refocus. Yeah, you know, and now that looming game against Stanford down there seems real big. Um, you know, that could turn out to be a real big game. Well, there's no doubt, but obviously UCLA is going to be first and foremost in their minds. And again, that's another defense. That just gives up rush yards like crazy. Khalil Tate for Arizona just went absolutely bonkers on on them Saturday night again. So there's really there really should be no excuse for Washington to be able to run the ball on the on UCLA. Lots of talk about coaching changes down here before the game. Does Coach Graham keep his job, Chris. Is this enough to keep it? Well, I think I think yeah. I don't I don't see any reason why they they shouldn't stick with him for at least for the short term, but. Boy, you look at you look at the Northwest. They went 0 for four, and they had a coach that quit. I don't think it gets much worse than that, Kim. <laughs> well, guess who the name's being bandied about down here is the next head coach at Arizona State or a big time candidate for the you know with all eyes on tonight. I have no idea. Jimmy Lake. Okay, well there you go. The Jimmy the Jimmy Lake <laughs> hype machine is in full force, and and Washington fans should expect no less. Yeah, uh, Tank Johnson, good to see Tank down here. He was involved in the uh, coin toss. Always good to see Tank, but, uh, you know, kind of a, you know, I don't know what's going on. The karma, juju, and I asked uh, Jake Browning about that, and you know, he made some mention it wouldn't matter if it was Canada the way we played today. It wouldn't have mattered. So, um, you know, Jake was obviously pissed off post-game, but, uh, you know, uh, wrapping it up here, you know, late, another late game, you know, this one down in the desert, so. Final thoughts, Chris? No, I just uh, I, I I have no doubt that he'd be pissed off based on how things went. And again, you you kind of stated it from the off, Kim. It was just a really stilted, um, stuttering start for Washington offensively, winning not winning that toss and and kind of having to immediately you know kind of create some momentum for themselves on the road is is just seemed to be a really tough task for these guys. Yet all the things that went wrong with them, the the missed kicks. The, the the poor showing at least on offense with the offensive line and not finding that that second receiver that they so desperately need and and obviously getting trying to get something out of the run game all those holes that need to be filled Washington still had a chance in this game and they could have they could have pulled this one out and and that's I think that's probably what frustrates Washington fans more than anything 
you mentioned the second receiver stepping up. They so badly want it to be Braden Lenius, but uh, you know, they try to throw the ball to Braden and he can't make a catch. He's making drops. He can't make the difficult catches. And, you know, the uh, you know third and goal down uh, on the goal line where they missed the field goal, they uh, were looking to run the fade. They had Ty Jones out there and they were looking for the fade to Ty Jones, you know, instead of Braden Lenius. So, you know, uh, could that be the, uh, you know, curtain call for Braden Lenius? We'll have to see if he gets playing time, you know, but he's just not producing. And, uh, you know, he's got all the skills in the world, but he's not showing it out on the football field. So they were looking to go to Ty Jones in that situation, but he was locked up at the line of scrimmage and couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. Also, just one peculiar thing, Chris, and I don't know if you saw this, but it was down where they, the series where they scored the touchdown. They spread Kalen, uh, Kalen McGarry out in the slot, and then uh, at the snap of the ball, he kind of went back, and it was like it, he was looking for a backwards pass. Uh, did you see that uh, no. alignment at all? No, I didn't see that. But I would say that I think there's there's going to be – Monday's going to be really interesting for Chris Peterson because I think there's going to be definitely some questions about some of the – the clock management at the end of the first half, for instance, you could see his body language when he didn't call the timeout at the end. He, he could tell that that was a missed opportunity. Um, and then using the two quick timeouts early in the second half obviously yeah. really cost them at the end. So I think he's definitely going to get some questions about that stuff too. Yeah. So, hey, we'll wrap it up here from Arizona State. We'll be back on Sports Radio 950 KJR on Tuesday from 6.30 to 8. If you're looking for those daily updates in your inbox, just shoot us an email at huskystadium at gmail.com with the um, subject line newsletter, and we'll make sure and get those out to you. So from all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grells along with Chris Fetters. Go dogs.